0: Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way Is Better.
1: And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pie. Welcome to episode 45. We are finally finishing our Billman series yes, today or I think, tonight.
0: Yes, we thought this would be done a while ago, but we've yeah. uh, spaced it out a fair bit. Yeah. Episode 45. I
1: think we've done well. Um, I've not quite made it to the end uh, with my own <laughs> sectional end-to-end. So on that note, we've got Kirsten Stender in from Parks and Wildlife. Um, she is the unit coordinator of the Recreation and Trails Department there. Welcome, Kirsten.
2: Yeah, good evening, Mark and Don.
1: So this is an area that you've um, you lived in this area for a while and you've walked these trails quite a lot. So you've got a lot of knowledge um, from this area. So we're going to pick your brain a bit tonight. I <laughs> um, so hope you don't mind. So I guess we'll start in Denmark, but not actually in Denmark, which is an issue the billman track here i mean i think the official start is it's the eden road gate isn't it
0: yeah i mean I- unless you've taken the ferry yes Yep.
1: or if you were lucky enough in autumn this year you could actually cross wilson inlet because mm. it was uh closed <laughs> which is, uh, very rarely happens but uh, we will start yeah at the official start which is the eden road gates and leading off to nullakai mm. campsite um so what are you guys thoughts on this first little section
0: this is one of my least favourite <laughs> days. <laughs> um, but I think there's not much that can be done, right? Like, there's nothing that you can really do to improve the route through this area. Or is there?
2: Well, I've had another rethink just before coming to here, you know. Like, this has been, it's on in my eye for many years. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but we engaged a consultant a few years ago to try and come up with some solutions and... They didn't really come up with any good options. Um, I mean, there are some options, but they're expensive because they require bridges. Um, mm. So you could potentially go along the inlet, but there's the Hay River and there's another river that would require big bridges. So you're looking, you know, I'm not very rough guess, maybe a million dollars to, you know, kind of get across. So um, yeah, in the moment that hasn't been prioritized enough um, and not being considered important enough, I guess, to make that come through. Um, But yeah, it's a difficult area. The ferry option is pretty limited through there now and the taxi no longer exists out of Denmark. So, you know, unless you can get an operator, a tourism operator to transport you or have a friend or, you know, do a walk or, yeah, cross the sandbar if it's closed.
0: Yeah. I guess the other issue is the, the land use there because of the, there's like a wilderness sort of community that's on the Nalakai Peninsula.
2: Yeah, it's a wilderness estate. Right. And there's actually still some properties there to buy if you choose to, I saw. so okay. <laughs> Some farmland there in the wilderness estate. Maybe
1: yeah. we can uh, have a GoFundMe and we'll direct the bib through (laughs) and (laughs) have canoes and everything. Yeah, Yeah.
0: It's something that I've I've actually wanted to do as a bit of a joke is to kayak across to the other side and then because I feel like there's a bit of an asterisk next to my end to end because I've not actually gone across the water but the conditions across there are really terrible a lot of the time so you have to really time it to get across there and not have to struggle against you know very windy and choppy conditions but maybe one day yeah no, no i
1: bumped into a guy at gardner campsite and he was on his second end to end and he got it when it was closed and he said it was amazing because you walked out onto the peninsula and you could basically sneak up onto all the birds there because they weren't used to having people in the area and he quite enjoyed being able to cross on foot it's just a shame it's not an option all the time Mm
2: and it actually takes like even the boat takes half an hour i didn't realize how far it was so it's not an easy paddle across yeah hmm.
0: yeah i measured it and it's like several kilometers <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can put like snorkel sets in there <laughs> we can just swim over um, yeah so what don't you enjoy about this first section to Nolokai?
0: well i th- i think you know philosophically it's it's not great the fact that it's it's sort of split and there's there is a guy who lives in the area there who, you know, often says, No, the Bibbulmun track is not a continuous walk. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of right in a way. Um, but it's it's kind of beyond that, the walking's not super exciting. It's you know, I think it's it's nice enough along the inlet. we, we walk along the shore there. But it's a bit snaky and you know, it's not not wonderful and also i think that nalakai has a reputation for being mosquito central as a as a hut so that's not not great after you finish and you're like yes i'm here and i'm being eaten by mosquitoes (laughs) so yeah yeah then it's not ideal in a lot of ways
1: and i suppose we can't really talk about nalakai without mentioning the new mine (laughs) that is probably going in um I was originally opposed to this because I saw another mine on the track, but it'll only operate for, what, three months of the year over the summer months. So I don't think it'll play a big part in the uh, user experience for people on the trail. I think it's more just roads being built in and out around this area. that will affect.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think the, the road extension to get to the mine will go fairly close to the Nalakai campsite within... I can't remember 100, 200 metres, but you're right. It will only be used for maybe two or three months of the year and then really only doing working hours, which is mostly when people are not at the campsite. Mm -hmm. So um, it will be visible, I would mention, from the campsite, the new road, or you might have to cross it even. Um, But, yeah, I think the impact will be... Minimal, anyway, something to monitor for us, and you know, see how it goes. It will be one of the smaller mining problems that we have, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. Being at Murray Campsite during the day, it's you notice that there is a mine directly over that hill, and I think people do they just hear a loud bang and they're not sure what it is. But 200 meters across the river is a mine site which is active, quite active actually. Mm.
0: And Mount Mount Wells is the other one that's. You know, if you're in, if you're in the front room, which is where Alyssa and I stayed, you can hear that mine going twenty four seven. Yeah, I guess
1: it'll be an issue. we'll Always have to deal with for the bib.
0: Yeah, but I'll say one nice thing about this section is that I saw a lot of the um, the tall kangaroo paw along the trail okay. here. Yeah, so that's that's a nice thing. You know, it's it's not a it's a very much a getting from here to here yeah. kind of of day i think Mm. but you know that that, that's a nice thing to see some wildflowers
1: Mm. and it's not off the top of my head i can't remember if i planned to stay here but it's not a distance that you would if you started early you would get there and camp would you
0: i doubled through there um the twice when i when i did this section yeah
1: um, so I guess that moves on to day two, onto West Cape Howe, which is one of your favorite areas of the track,
0: Donovan. Yeah, I do, I do enjoy it. Um, this day, I think the alignment is not great for the first half, but is really good for the second half. And I guess that would be a question I would have for you, Kirsten, in terms of the, of the alignment there. So that, the first half of it, I feel you're sort of more on the farmland side not as close to the coast and then and you just get very little glimpses of it and then when you do get to the coast it's awesome like you get you know the really nice views of the beaches and the the coastal cliffs but that first half there i know in the book they they kind of big up the fact that you can see the sterling range but it's very far away and um, i found it quite exposed to the the sun without any real views do you know why the route goes the way it does like the decision you mean from
2: from the nalakai campsite from
0: from nalakai because it um it doesn't go to any of the beaches for quite a while until i can't remember the name of the beach that it gets to like eventually you get to the beach and it's it's really awesome but for a long time the stretch sort of is not along the coast and there's a few things there like a nap head I think we talked about that in the Albany Opportunities episode or Mm. something that would be cool to have like a side trip or something to there. Um, Yeah, just wondering if you had any thoughts on the alignment there.
2: Mm, I wasn't involved in the alignment selection at the time, Mm. um, but I understand that, you know, the the Nala Kaemp side had to be moved only a few years ago okay. um, because it went through this as you said there's quite a lot of farmland through there hmm. um, and it's not a lot of government owned land there um, which is one of the big issues so trying to find a location for the Nalakai campsite was a quite a big problem and it went across a private property and the private property owner was unable to contact the department and just put a fence up. And so actually closed access across the track, which caused some issues and then resulted in the realignment. And so having oh, to right. find a location for the new campsite within the kilometres that we have and within the limitations of the private property and the shire land through there was quite difficult. Mm. So I'm assuming that's why that has happened. Um, but yeah, I'm not really totally sure. So, mm. And we always try and you know have a bit of... Um, diversity in the experience, I guess, a variety of experience. So having a bit of beach, some views, a bit of farmland, you know, mixes it up, I guess. Yeah. So. Oh, fair enough.
1: So, yeah. And then uh, West Cape Howe. Um, how close do you actually get to the actual,
0: the money shot of West Cape Howe? Not very close. Not very close. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, to be fair, that the, where the cab site is, you get a great view of it from afar. Oh, okay, yeah. But you don't. Get to actually go into like you know the the cliffs. Yeah. Uh, I saw. T- I think I even saw today, uh, ABC Great Southern were advertising. You know how beautiful the cliffs are, mm. and that's something that I think, again, is maybe a bit of a missed opportunity with the alignment. But then, I feel it probably would add like another day to the track to actually get there.
1: Yeah, and I mean when we talked about it before, you've said there's lots of four wheel drive tracks to get out there, so it wouldn't be the most
0: thrilling walking to get there not without building something yeah. else there
2: and you know there's the <clears throat> the Dunsky track which is a walking track that does go out to some of those areas mm. but yeah it does cross the four wheel drive tracks through there they're quite soft and sandy and that's actually where i used to live a while, So, you know, I w- used to walk out there to the Golden Gates at the actual um, West Cape Howe, and it is the most southern point of Western Australia from mm. memory. So it's unfortunate that we don't have access to that through walking more easily. Mm. Um, and if there was more community interest, I think there would be opportunities to improve on the Dunsky track through there, mm. um, perhaps through an extension of the Bib track. But, you know, in the moment, it's just not really being maintained and people don't really not aware that it's there perhaps enough to utilize it or Mm. willing to deal with a four-wheel drive you know use through that area so Mm. yeah it is stunning through there though I loved it yeah I did a
0: walk through there last year towards the end of the year and I was really amazed at how nice the scenery is but walking on the vehicle tracks is not great (laughs) Um, and so is that something that if, if if we were looking at something like that there, so maybe it's like a spur trail to there or some kind of, um, you know, maybe its own walk to the to the actual cliffs, what's what's the process to get that to?
2: So it, it does kind of already exist. It goes to Dansky Beach. It is yeah. a walk track through there. Yeah. Um, but like but I said... But it doesn't go all the way. No, it doesn't yeah. go to the Cape. So... Like I said, if if people are interested enough, um, mm. you know, can approach the department and, you know, come with some kind of management model for it. So, you know, if people there who live there are willing to maintain it, just the same as people, volunteers on the billroom track maintain that, I don't think it would be that hard. Um, the problem would be to try and manage four drives through there that they don't drive on it mm. um, and don't damage it, you know, and widen it and... You know, because there's a fair bit of 4 driving through there, so, but it would be doable, and it would be an amazing experience to get out there. But you know, once you get up to the Cape again, there's 4 drives there everywhere, so. Mm.
1: Does that provide you with hope, Don? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, hopefully, <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be something I'd really love to see because going out there, the it's it's kind of interesting that you know West Cape Howe and Torbay, both of those. Um, campsites are not actually anywhere near those places. Mm. Um, but I thought that the scenery there was just as good as the coastal cliffs in Tasmania in terms of quality, but, but the walking tracks there just are, at the moment, you know, not great because the Dunsky track doesn't go all the way.
1: Mm. Yeah, hopefully in the future It'd be a cool side trail. i think the billman we've mentioned this many times before a few side trips there and back would be a nice option if you wanted to extend your your stay on the bib yeah which they're actually doing with the the collie trails at the moment yeah Which should be an interesting five four five day loop once you're in collie so look forward to that one yep definitely um, so you mentioned that the second half of the day was really good. Is that the coastal cliffs and the beaches all the way to West Cape Howe?
0: Yeah, because you get a lot more of, of that scenery. And I last time I did this was in, I think it was December. So there a lot of the wildflowers along the coast. So it was really lovely scenery. And you get to see the ocean for pretty much the whole second half of that day, mm-hmm. which I really liked.
1: And Kirsten, you mentioned you lived in this area. How many times do you estimate you've walked this area?
2: Well, actually, one of the things I did down there was I was a bivvy volunteer, so I maintained the section from the West Cape Power campsite to, um, to the east, um, Shepherd Lagoon Road. So you know I was out there fairly regularly doing my maintenance as well as you know walking and recreating. So. But, yeah, I never did stay overnight even there because it was just too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, but, yeah, I would agree but with that. yeah, <laughs> it's just stunning, and, you know, I would have loved to have even, you know, went out to Golden Gates, um, one of the sections, you know, in West Cape Hard, just before the cliffs to the west, um, and that's stunning through there, you know. Even going out there and spending some time there would be amazing. So, mm-hmm.
1: What's it like maintaining the coastal sections? Is there as much regrowth as there is in the, the forest?
2: Yeah, it does grow pretty quickly. And I think one of the reasons Gwen at the time from the foundation gave me that section is because it actually didn't have vehicle access at all to it. So I was able through my work, obviously, get a key to the management gate, which the volunteers now they have too. Mm. But it took a fair bit of effort to get there and then quite a long section and pretty overgrown and... Yeah, I mean, it's stunning, it's beautiful, um, but you do need to go out there regularly. <laughs> mm-hmm. on, on the
0: point of access, another interesting thing I find about this area is that all of the places have helicopter access. What's the story behind why this area has it, but other places don't? Do you know?
2: Does yeah it? sure. um the department the district down there decided that that is a good way to uh, in an emergency situation to evacuate people. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're aware, but you know in if there is a fire, um, people always think you know in hot conditions it's fine walking on the south coast um, but the reality is that coastal heath, actually the fire spread spreads much quicker mm. um, and so the danger is actually much bigger in coastal heath than what it is in forested areas so they felt that they needed to provide some additional means of evacuating people and quite often in summer um, when we have fires um, you know the sand is soft and a lot of those tracks to those camps are four-wheel drive only and would be quite hard to get into quickly. Mm. Um, I think unfortunately since then the helicopter operator has left Albany, so it's no longer functioning. Um, but, you know, certainly helicopter rescues are something that we see across the state. Yep. You know, I hear it a lot on the B- Bilberman Track and also in other areas, and, you know, people use their um, satellite communication mostly pretty well these days and, you yep. know, press a button on the EPIRB and, you know, the, the if you registered well and have left your um, itinerary on your... Um, on your records there with your EPUB, you know, somebody would come and rescue you usually with a helicopter if it's urgent, so. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess while we're talking about evacuations and danger, um, snakes on this section of the trail are quite prevalent. Have you had any close encounters with any of the, the local reptilian life? Or-
2: sure, I mean, like I said, I lived there we had a tiger snake on our property, you know, wherever you walk, you see when I had a dog, you know, even just having it on the property, I was always a bit concerned. Mm. Um, but I was, I was actually, I lived down there because we were building the Mandabidi trail um, and as part of that, obviously we had to walk through quite a lot of section and work in areas that were um, potential wetland areas where the tiger snakes like to hang out and we were gators and, you know, you see them around, but they never hassled us, you know, they moved away, um, did their own thing, and, you know, you see them around, just don't step on them and, mm. you know, mm. don't pick them up and twirl them around, you <laughs> know, <laughs> like some people, you know, tend to do or like to do, and mm. then they get bitten on the arm. And, you know, we don't really have injuries on the Bukulubin track from snake Bites. You know, I think I remember once a school group there was a young guy that stepped over a tree lock and there was a snake he didn't see on the other side and, you know, a suspected snake bite, but actually the he was bitten, I believe, but the snake didn't inject any toxins. Mm. So, you know, he was fine. So really we don't, you know, you see them around, but they're just wildlife that's best left alone. Mm. And, you know, I look at them and they're quite curious and amazing animals, really. I love watching them. So. Mm.
0: I think when I did Nalakai to West Cape Howe, I saw like five on that day, Mm. but they all get out of the way and they're they're not, you know, I think that they're certainly, if it's fight or flight, they'll fly more than fight. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Although I have seen one guy on the, one of the um, Facebook groups tell a story about how he got chased into one of the shelters by a stake once. (laughs) I wasn't sure if he actually was just being hyperbolic, but. He seemed pretty confident the snake was after him, which is very rare, I would think. Yeah, I
0: think the snake must have really felt threatened and was maybe protecting young or whatever, but it seems highly unusual. It
1: it always seems to be the question, um, especially international interstate people ask is, what do I do about the snakes? And it's mainly just leave them alone. They're not going to attack you out of nowhere. Hmm.
2: Yeah, it's always interesting, you know, because the Woggle, of course, represents a snake. And sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do presentations about the Bibbulmun track overseas um, at some of the world trial conferences or otherwise. And, you know, you have to talk about the Woggle and people go, oh, does that mean there's going to be snakes everywhere? And it's like, you know, it's just another wildlife, you know. So, Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I saw my first one uh, just near Lost Beach and it was in the shape of the Woggle and it was golden as well. Like <laughs> wow. wow. Quite impressed with cool. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about West Cape, our campsite. Um, Donovan, a favourite? Is it yeah, a nice yeah, place yeah, to Yeah, for stay? sure.
0: I think it's a great campsite. Great great views. Really good spot to get those sort of sunset views of the Cape. And the fact that it has it has two lookout points. Like, There's one just near the hut where there's a table, and you can walk up to a higher one as well. So... I really rate it as a place to, to camp. And I think it's really enjoyable. Much, you know, like it's it's hilarious that it's right after Nolakai, which is, I think, one of the worst. Then this is like one of the best. Yeah.
1: And as the maintenance volunteer, do you have any special uh, stories from this area or any fondness for the, the shelter?
2: I'll, I'm someone who loves the views. I love the ocean. So I definitely appreciate, you know, wanting to have the views and just sitting there watching the whales go by. You know, that's pretty amazing experience, you know, that we can have here.
1: Mm. When is um whale season on the, the south coast usually?
2: Um usually from June to November, I think. So now there should be some starting to be some down there. Mm.
1: Excellent. So uh West Cape How to Tor Bay. Um, you mentioned that Tor Bay not near Tor Bay at all. Mm. Um, what's the appeal of Tor Bay as as an area?
0: Well Tor Bay Head's pretty cool. Um, if you, it's so, uh, this is not on the track, but Torbay Head is is at the end in um, sort of the <laughs> southeastern point of we- the West Cape Howe National Park, yeah. and it's if you've done if people have done Bald Head, it's kind of like Bald Head, but it's the the trail out to it is basically very makeshift. It's like just people have walked there mm-hmm. and just walked to the the point. Um, And that is the part that's actually the true southernmost point of the Western Australian side of the mainland. Um, So that's that's cool. That that's its sort of claim to fame, and yeah, Mm. it's a nice area. But also the whole area there is called Tor Bay.
1: Mm. And what's the walking like on this day?
0: I really like it. I think it's a really good day. Um, I think the alignment is actually really excellent through here. The whole pretty much all the way through.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful views through there, and. While it's not on the route, you know, I love the Dunsky Beach. Mm. It's just amazing, you know, if you do a bit of a detour and you're happy to deal with some of the more sandy four-wheel drive tracks going out there, and it's pretty stunning along the coastline. Um, clear waters, you know, blue waters and beautiful views. So And you can start seeing the wind turbines mm. um, from Albany, I think, for the first time really well. So, yep.
0: And I think the, there's a bit w- where there's a lot of steps If you're heading southwards it's actually really easy (laughs) but if you're heading so the first time i did this was north and we'd completely miscalculated kilometers Mm. and we thought that we'd already reached the steps and then we descended and went oh these are the steps (laughs) and they are Pretty brutal, uh, all because it basically, once you do the steps, it's a slow up all the way to West Cape Howe. Mm. But if you're coming from West Cape Howe, it's a slow descent and then nice steps down and then not as steep up and then you kind of head across. Yeah, yep. I remember that one. <laughs> So you're going to do it the right <laughs> I'll way. Do it the right yep. way. Cool. Yeah, some uh, of
2: the steps were built by the Paddle Up Prison Crew through there. So okay. you know, it's been quite a huge task having to airlift all the materials in, and like you said, there's a lot of steps there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a big mm. task, you know. So yeah, there's one thing walking it all, but getting all the materials in there and you know actually doing the work is actually quite challenging through there. Because
1: mm. mm. yeah, the uh, recent fundraising push from the the track has been to get just to pay for the helicopter to put in materials. So not an easy section of the track to work with, but I guess steps are always appreciated and uh, slogging up dunes where it's one step forward and two steps back.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and obviously steps are also, you know, I always say steps are actually for the environment, not for the hikers, really, you know. I mean, they help the hikers as well, but they minimise erosion and damage to the environment. And you may be aware that we're looking at some of the realignments, you know, closer to Walpole, either side of Walpole in the moment, to... Minimize and reduce some of the impacts, you know, where there's some of the channels that are quite have gotten quite deep now from wind and water erosion and use. So, yeah, steps will help in some of those areas for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Mm.
1: Um, So, Tor Bay as a campsite, just before.
0: Okay. Just before Torbay, yes. um, there's a really great bit of a ridge that you kind of walk across. So just after the turn off for of the Dunsky track, you join the Bruce Tarbotton uh, <laughs> Memorial Track, yes, yeah. which is this awesome bit that goes up this limestone ridge, and then from there you can see um, see like all the coast, and you get to see the the wind turbines, and there's a beautiful beach at the bottom just below, and that's yeah, that's one of those fantastic moments of the track.
1: Is this the one where if you've kind of like a, got a fisheye GoPro lens, it looks like you're walking on a, a ridge with really sharp drop off? Yeah, that's the yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. I remember seeing Michelle walk that one. I was like, oh yeah, that looks
0: quite cool. It looks so cool. Um, unfortunately, the area was burnt by a bushfire not that long ago, um, but amazingly, because there's wooden like um, boardwalk across there, and most of the boardwalk survived the fire, I'm just very lucky.
2: <laughs> yeah. In fact, we heard, um, and I'm not sure if that was the outcome at the end, but it looked like that fire was lit from the Bil track because oh, really? you could see yeah. people obviously walked along the wooden boardwalks and it was ignition on one side of it um so I'm not sure yeah what the outcome was of that, but it was um probably purposely lit by someone mm. which yeah. is most annoying you know <laughs> yeah, yeah because that the
0: it's still okay, but I remember it from when I did it in twenty 20- 2012 i think it was i think i did it in winter 2012 and all of the trees through there are now all dead but they were all alive back then and it was so stunning walking along there it's still, it's still nice but it was even better before the fires
2: mm. yeah i think fires you know it changes the experience you know so in reality i think the fire has been part of you know our environment here for many years, you know, naturally through lightning and then through Nunga people, you know, who was who are using fire for farming and you know obviously we do some prescribed burning too. I think it it's just a different look, you know, and when we uh, were doing thinking about doing the Google Tracker project, we considered whether we would capture the burnt sections as well as the the unburned sections and decide this is just the experience that you have you know this is what the building track is like and it goes through stages of burned and non-burned areas and we have a mosaic of you know burning that we do as a department and yeah it is the experience that you know you get through there so and i actually find it quite fascinating and the way the flora comes back the plants come back you know i've done some of the Post bushfire assessments on the on the Bibbulmun Track in particular, um, and seeing you know only a few weeks later how all the the plants and the wildlife starting to come back, and you know I'll be going through there doing assessing what's left off the Bip track, all the <laughs> bridges and the mm-hmm. signs, and you know, but I would be surrounded by birds, and even though I would be really blacked out, um, it's quite fascinating, you know, it's a it's interesting and yeah. It's just a ins- different experience, I guess. So, but yeah, it obviously causes damage to our infrastructure, and mm. so the wooden board walks through there. You know, some of the sections had to be replaced, and I mean that was pretty minor. You know, we've lost much bigger things, more important Mm. things to fire, and, you know, that makes it expensive, so. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We'll get onto that a bit later. (laughs) Yeah, I'm interested too, because I've just recently walked around Mount Dale um, after first doing it right after the 2015 fires, and I was amazed at how well it's recovered. Um, In some areas, I know they didn't get the whole area, but sometimes you couldn't tell that it had been burnt, mainly because Jarrah holds that burnt, so... Everywhere just kind of looks burnt unless it hasn't been <laughs> done in 10 or 20 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so Torbay campsite, a favourite, Don?
0: Not cool. of mine, but no. Aly- Alyssa actually <laughs> rates it higher than West Cape Howe. Ah. I don't know why, but she likes it more. Uh, I think as a, the, the tent sites are probably better. So if you're looking to tent, there's like a nice little peppermint grove area behind the shelter. But... Um, I always find like i kind of stumble upon it like it's because it's sort of like on the track and it's you're walking along the cliffs and suddenly it's like oh i'm here Mm. um or even even though i know where it is it's that experience of where is it and it is always a surprise even though i'm like we should have arrived by now (laughs) it's always a surprise yeah
1: i suppose that beats like seeing the campsite sign and then having to walk like 300 meters to actually get there
0: yeah yeah
1: I'll make sure I don't do this with Aaron because he always hates when so I'm just like, it should be almost here. I think we're almost <laughs> close and it's still a kilometre or two away. Yep. Yeah, um, So with this one, do you get the coastal views as well? Or is it kind of... Yeah, a little through?
0: bit. But because, I mean, it's a, it's a short-ish walk back to the track where you do actually get the views. From the hut itself, it's actually quite sheltered. It's um, sort of like in these sort of a little bit of a forest... Area. It's, mm. And it's, yeah, it reminded me a lot of the area that's sort of just beyond Torbay reminded me of some of the coast section along in um, Sydney Harbour. If you walk past the zoo, there's like a section there where it's all these trees. So it's, and you know, all the locals there really rate that area. And I thought, oh, this is very similar and actually in some ways nicer because you don't get all the city mm. aspects. It's, it still feels wild.
1: As a former local, do you feel the same way, Gerson?
2: Yeah, I, I do quite like that section. I actually used to walk to it from my home, <laughs> which is pretty amazing to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and I used to go to some of the beaches along there. So the, the Dingo Beach, Shelley Beach, I think is the one that you were referring yeah, to Yeah, Shelley earlier. Beach is the one I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got Dingo Beach, I think is what it's called. And then you've got Dunsky Beach and some of the access is through um along the bill track um past tour bay and then down um so you know i would go there fairly regularly and it, yeah it's it has a nice feel i think it's a bit kind of sheltered um and bit kind of hidden like you said you know it, it is a bit of a surprise um but yeah i would mostly come from the hill like from the albany end kind of thing so just a reasonably short walk i guess but yeah i loved it through there it's um Talking about snakes, I did see one of the biggest dew guides I've ever seen was just near there. (laughs) Yeah. It was huge, yeah. But, yeah, like they all do, you know, it just moved away and Mm. some really amazing um, birds, some rock parrots that I've seen there and some other birds, I never know their names, but, you know, it's got some really nice banksia sections just past there, so Mm. it's beautiful. Near
0: Torbay, where you said, you know, you saw a dew guide nearby, I saw there in... August, so which is not the best time to see a snake because that's when they're probably a little bit more sluggish, sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I saw the most amazing tiger snake. It was a true yellow and black striped tiger snake, and I've never seen one quite as distinctly like that since. But that was amazing to see. Um, it. I was like, that's a hundred percent a tiger snake because <laughs> of the striping. <laughs>
1: Uh, so yes we'll move on to mutton bird uh, the stretch to mutton bird Um, what's the walking like on this day
2: we you've got a fair bit of beach walking along there um cozy corner beach and maybe Mm. a stop over at the cafe there used to be my local cafe so i always enjoyed doing that um very nice cafe it is a very nice cafe yeah
1: how far off the track is that Uh, that not
2: far at all no it's just behind the beach um, but then the beach section, depending on the time of year, you know, it's quite can be quite soft and deep um, and hard to walk. In fact, it's a dog beach, so I used to walk there with my dog all the time and have mm. a swim. Um, so it's beautiful, you know, and, and you've got the um, little island there in front of it with great snorkeling. Um, but yeah, it can be quite a tough section, and I think people sometimes underestimate how hard it can be walking on beach.
0: Mm. <laughs> I, when I did this session the first time it was in August 2015, and we had to cross the Torbay Inlet when it was really flowing. It was, and it was the combination that I don't, you know, nowadays I think I'd probably be a little bit less gung-ho about because I always think if, if you're doing crossing a river and it's fast but shallow, that's okay. If it's slow but deep, it's okay, but fast and deep is not good. <laughs> and Alyssa and I crossed this when it was fast and deep and we for years I couldn't remember why we didn't walk out to the ocean side like you're supposed to we had to walk at the you know actually where it's cut deep and then when we did it again in December I think 2017 we we realized it was because the waves are really strong there because it's a surf beach so you can't really go out to the ocean side because we looked at it and we assessed that that was probably more dangerous when we were there. So I don't recommend it, but it was a chest deep crossing, <laughs> and we we just really didn't want to have to take the detour. And I did it without my pack to make sure I could get across and not be washed out. And we saw a lot of people out to sea, so you know I think we we were okay if there was and there were full drives on the beach. There was a lot of people around.
1: You mean people washed out to sea <laughs> and
2: they failed crossing? <laughs>
0: but we um we made it but wouldn't recommend the chest deep crossing through deep water
2: i think you did the right thing though you know crossing away from where the waves are because i think sometimes people do think it's safer to cross where the waves are but they underestimate the waves and then the the combo of the water flowing out and the waves and the currents through that mm. actually cause much bigger problems for people and it's much more unpredictable you know at least if you cross where it's Hopefully not fast flowing, <laughs> um, but you know away there, um, and hopefully not more than chest deep. You know even knee deep is probably good. Um, but yeah, that would be a, my preferred place to cross too. You know mm. even higher up where, you know it's um, potentially swimmable. You know if there was no current or something. I mean not that you really want to do that, but <laughs> you know I think being away from the actual wave breaking can be quite dangerous and unpredictable. Mm
0: yeah it certainly felt dangerous to go out i thought yes it probably will be shallow but we might get hit by waves and also have this you know undertow of current yeah
1: so how long is the the walking on cozy corner is that a longish section or is it just is it it's it's not it's
0: not as long as um (laughs) beach but it's still long yeah, it's a few Ks.
2: Yeah, and I think it's often softer than Masolati. Okay. <laughs> mm, quite deep sand, you know, and even when you're walking at the water's edge, I've walked Masolati in Greenspool area, and i fear fair bit as well, um, and i found it, I mean, mostly firmer. I mean, obviously in winter is when, you know, the sand gets softer and the 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 waves get bigger, kind of soften it up and aerate it or something, you know, to make it quite soft. Um, but, yeah, I always found that the tour bay section of the beach was quite hard going, really. Hmm. And
0: the top also has that nice rock shelf section, which is a cool little feature that breaks up the the beach walking.
2: Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I think sometimes people find it a bit slippery and, you know, a bit scary, especially in winter when the the water can be a bit high and the waves can go over there. Mm. I was just talking to one of the volleys the other day and, you know, they were thinking that maybe we should realign or have, you know, seasonal trial options There's that four-wheel drive track behind it that, you know, people can choose to use. Mm -hmm. um, And maybe in the future we'll market, you know, and people can still go along the rocks if they want to. But, I mean, it is nice. It's pretty through there and it does break it up nicely and Mm. nice place to sit and look out over the ocean too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Mm.
1: So uh, what comes after the beach then is it's back up into the cliffs
0: Go past the rifle range.
2: <laughs> that be interesting.
0: And uh, am I correct in saying it used to go through the rifle range?
2: <laughs> in fact, that was one of my first jobs, I think, when I started with the department, is to go down there and have a look to see because the rifle range people thought maybe it wasn't such a good idea but to go straight through. <laughs> moving target practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had to realign it along the fence line, and luckily there was no issues with that. And yeah. put up some signage too to say, you know, don't stray away, so yeah. you know that you are adjacent to a rifle range. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: do you know how many people died before they had <laughs> to get you in to realign it? Well, it
2: was before my time, but you know, <laughs>
0: it just uh. seemed so crazy to me because I think, I think that uh, DBCA and the, the predecessors DEC and COM. Took safety pretty seriously, and yet this seemed like a, an extremely, you know, crazy thing to do. Like, let's walk through a rifle range. I see nothing wrong with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it went through where people were actually shooting, but yeah. it was, you know, too close to comfort. And, you know, <laughs> I think once it got a bit busier, too I, mean, I think Rifle ranges are not used very often, so it's not mm. often an issue. Mm. Um, but you know, you want to be sure that walkers are safe. So yeah, certainly our Visitor risk management has in, increased over the years. You know, we've tightened things up. <laughs> it's obviously one of those. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, because there's one in, I think it's Pickering Brook. And I think I was doing the Monday Brook Trail and I knew it was there. And then all of a sudden you'd hear this like sudden gunshot. Yeah. And you like, it's okay. No one's shooting at me. <laughs> but I guess if you're walking right through, you might have a different experience.
2: Actually, I was walking in on the Lebanon Mountain trial last year and, you know, one of the things you have there is that there's shooters, you know, that do bird shooting. So you're walking along and you hear gunshots. A lot of the time, it's quite a disturbing kind of experience, really. Yeah. So, But, at, yeah, at least if you know that there is a shooting range, you know, it's okay.
0: Yeah.
1: So once you've reached the safety of <laughs> not being through that area, what's it like all that to mutton bird?
0: Yeah, it's... it's Okay. I think I mean I think there's a little bit of that there's things in the in the way so it's I think it's managed quite well the 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 route that it takes to get to the campsite. It's uh, and the campsite's kind of interesting because it kind of spiraled down into this bowl to the to the campsite which is surprisingly sheltered considering mm. how, you know, there's not much in the way of trees there. It's, you know, it's mostly just heath.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's one of the campsites, one of the newer campsites that, um, you know, obviously we had to put in there too with the extension of the wind turbines. Mm. So, you know, there's the mutton bird and and the other new campsite, Sandpatch, that replaced the original one.
1: Which I think we have a poster up on the wall here. And yes. Is there the, the old Hidden Valley? Yep. Oh, um, yes, that's right. Um, that'd be a cool thing to go and visit because I think we've talked to Steve about this and it's still, like, the site is still there. Um, I don't think the shelter is, but I think you can go in and see the campsite area and mm. it'd be a fun little expedition one day, maybe.
0: Yeah, the first, first time when we walked this section, those, those two campsites had just opened and Hidden Valley had just closed and we could see that they'd just piled heaps of, um, like, dead branches to block the track <laughs> Uh now recently we we went through I didn't see it it was very hard to find but back then because it was just open like I think it would have been you know open for no more than like 3 months mm. it was really obvious that there was you know don't go this way and they blocked it off.
2: Mm. Yeah I remember it was pretty tricky trying to find spots for the new campsites mm. um and so you know you've got um, quite a narrow strip of nature really through there before it um, comes onto borders onto private property, and so yeah, trying to find a location for the new campsite. And there's that tiny little spider that lives in the coastal heath through there. So that wherever that lives in that particular plant, you can't go. So you know, it's it's pretty limiting through there, and you don't want it visible from the beach. You don't want it visible to four-wheel drivers in the local area. So mm. you have actually very limited options through there because it's such a small stretch.
1: Mm. Um, so, I guess we'll talk about the reasons why the campsites are there. Um, the wind turbines, I think it's actually something that people take away as a positive from this section of the track because it is a feature that you get to photograph and kind of remind you a little bit that Albany's a bit more sustainable than what people might think.
0: Yeah. I think it has that sort of of sense of the, even though it's not the city lights it's like the city lights you see it sort of and you go oh i'm coming to the end and Mm. i think a lot of a lot of end-to-enders have that experience of it being a really positive thing because they well positive but also bittersweet that they see them and you know that you're almost there
1: yeah and they'd stick out quite a bit so i was looking through some photos from stony hill which is near bald head and i could see them like as little dots on the horizon so They're very visible for a long time and I guess it's kind of a calling card of the area and, yeah, something people like to photograph and showcase from their Albany section.
2: Mm. Yeah, and while it's, you know, like a a build infrastructure, it does have a bit of a feel-good theme to it in some ways, you know, like green energy is nice and I'm not sure what the percentages of power that's created through that for Albany, but I thought it was close to a third, which is, you know, that's... Yeah, pretty good. 30% yeah, so. is what I've seen
1: before. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. do you know if there's any plans to extend that wind farm at all? No,
2: I haven't heard any. I mean, there's uh, the newer ones um, the other side of Denmark, um, but I haven't heard anything about the Albany ones. Because so. mm.
1: mm. you'd think if they're such a success, why not utilize that area? It is a very, very windy part of the, For uh, sure. the state. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah. I mean, looking forward to seeing them on my trip and hopefully get some good photos because you've got some nice ones at around sunset don't you
0: yeah from from the next campsite along mm-hmm. but actually walking that stretch is is really cool like i think you don't realize how big the turbines are like they actually and you hear this like Whoa, as they come past and they, they travel quite slowly for what when you're underneath it, I think it's one of those things. Like from afar, it looks like it's fast. But when you're underneath it, that movement is a huge pendulum swing in mm-hmm. a lot of ways.
1: And did you contract cancer like Tony Abbott? <laughs> 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 um,
0: touch wood on that one. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, so the day is walking off to Sandpatch, which is the final campsite on the Broom Track of your walking north to south.
0: Um enjoyable yeah really good there's a lot of boardwalks and lookouts and it's basically all along the cliffs all all the day and so you've got all these coastal cliffs on one side and you've got all these turbines on the other so it's it's a really interesting day i think it's a very enjoyable stretch
2: yeah it's I really like that section too and I love that there's those huge stairs that get you down to the beach down from the bit track you know it's a bit of a spur but it's yeah if you feel like you need to do some extra leg training, <laughs> you know go down there or leave your pack at the top, and obviously you've got the wind turbine and that bit of a interpretation centre there. you've got some toilets there, which you know come in handy sometimes, so mm-hmm. yeah it's a interesting area, and we have counters out on several sections of the Buman track, and that's that's actually our busiest section through there that incorporates the wind turbine bit. I think we get i don't know two or three thousand sometimes per month through oh, wow. there so it's huge yeah because
1: they advertise that area as like if you just want a day trip around albany go out to um mutton Bird and Sandpatch and do the walks around there so it's good that people are visiting the area and it gets at least a billman track in their mind if they're not doing the whole thing
2: yeah i think it's a good easy starting point and a bit of exposure to the billman track gets people to think about it and you know um, visitors who might not have thought about it or been aware of it, you know, mm. see it there at least. So it's good.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, who would be foolhardy enough to do the extra steps, especially if you're coming to the end of an end to end. Maybe if you're just beginning and, and want to get your legs up.
0: Yeah, there's many times where I've suggested to Alyssa, let's do that side trip, which she just went, nah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I bumped into a couple of ladies and I mentioned near uh, Mount Pindra. I was like, You gotta do all the side trips and they're like, I'm not doing any side trips, just the uh prescribed kilometers in the book. I was like, Oh you're missing but out. But those I'm ones sober. are
0: some of the best bits of the whole section. Exactly. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, was,
1: who knows? Some people have their, their way of walking but I like the side trips. Yeah. We'll see how I'm feeling that
2: day <laughs> whether I go down.
0: Yep. yeah, you, know, you know me. I'm a firm believer that the long way is better. Exactly. <laughs>
2: And I think that's the benefit of doing day walks because you don't have to worry about, you know, carrying heavy pack and, you know, you can do all the side trips and be a bit more explorative, you know. So it's it's another good way of doing the balloon track. I mean, I love having my, my house on my back, you know, my tent and everything. Yeah. It's amazing, you know. It's nothing better. But it's nice to do day walks as well and opens it up to other people who wouldn't do the overnights. So. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so we come to Sandpatch camps, uh, which we sadly lost. It was autumn last year, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think so. Was
2: May right? last year, May yeah, May late May. May,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, so there was that time where there was just a, a crazy amount of fires going on around Albany. I think there was Torn was on fire, Peaceful Bay was on fire, the Stirling Range, and a whole lot of farmland around um, yeah, that area. I think its it's been put out to tender um, just recently. I thought it was closed. Closed I, to someone else, someone else said, no. It, oh, yeah, then, it's been closed, yeah. yeah. Um, but hopefully been rebuilt soon. Um, I think Steve mentioned to us, or mentioned to someone that I've heard that it can't be the rammed earth. He did mention um, that design. to us on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of the environmental, the... Um, dieback reasons.
0: Do you uh, know why that is?
2: Yeah, it is because of the dieback issues. So the it's actually really difficult to get dieback-free gravel on the south coast anywhere near Albany. The closest pit I think is at Bremer Bay. It makes transporting it and building it quite expensive, mm. um, and it is a difficult site again to. Um, bring any materials into the campsite because it's through sand dune environment like most of the southern campsites. So it, the decision was made in partnership with the foundation to do more like a prefabricated design. So obviously we don't want to go back to building timbers because it is, burns too well and we can't justify it in front of the insurance because they wouldn't actually pay for it again if it burns down again. So we have to use um, some kind of fire-resistant materials. So this will be that, but it will be a prefab um, design that will be still in keeping with the building and track. So, mm. yeah, and, yeah, it has just gone out to contract as far as, sorry, to um, quote um, as far as I know. I'm not sure that the quotes have come back yet. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Luke down there, who's the person who looks after it, actually had a... A bike accident um, a few months ago now, and was out of action. With um, he got knocked off his bicycle by some car and broke his ribs and pierced a lung, and you know, so um, it meant that unfortunately there were some delays in in this process. But mm. yeah, because it is a prefabricated design, um, hopefully once the contract's been awarded, it shouldn't take too long.
0: Mm. So what what sort of material, like um like um like a poured concrete sort of. No,
2: it, it is kind of a type of weatherboard, but it's not timber.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and would it mimic the look of the wooden shelters we have now?
2: Somewhat, yeah. I'm not totally... I wasn't involved as part of the design because I was actually travelling overseas for six months um, mm. at that time. But, yeah, I understand it is a bit of a timber look-alike. Um, so it should be similarly feeling and, you know, same kind of design that we've had before there. So. Mm
1: cool. I like that the bib is uh, branching out design wise we've had Helena be replaced with this ram, still ram durst but it's a different design so Mm. looking forward to seeing Sam patch
0: and hopefully one day your half hexagonal design will be embraced maybe, (laughs) I think
1: I need to get a job at the Billman track (laughs) so I can fully implement my design ideas (laughs) Um, so I guess that brings us to the final stretch which is kind of it's a really long pavement walk for the end of it um but then initially starting in tondirip national park
0: yep yeah it's it's kind of a of a going into town day but i think it has that added weight of it being the end of the adventure if you're an end to ender even if you're doing it sectionally. (laughs) (laughs) yeah or the start. yeah uh i think the walking out is not the most exciting or in, you know, I think it, I think both ways. I think in is a bit nicer because I've done this both walking to the terminus and walking from. And I think it's actually a, a nicer day heading out of Albany, mm. but when you're heading to the terminus from Sandpatch, it's you yeah, know it's a bit of a mixed day. But one of the cool things is it goes past a very good distillery. <laughs>
1: Yes, uh, lime burners, which I'm quite excited to stop in at.
0: Yes, they they are really a fantastic distillery. Their top shelf one, which is the darkest winter, is extraordinarily expensive, but very very good. It's one of the best whiskies I've ever tasted, and you know it's really cool to know that they're using like they use carry loam as their peat, mm. so it's very local. And I think they're you know they're really putting Albany on the map. For, you know, for, well, they're the only distillery down there, I think so.
1: Because they've opened one in the Pronger Ups, haven't they, as well?
0: Yeah, they've got a Pronger Ups and a Margaret River cellar door. Hmm. And I think the idea is that the, the one that's in Margaret River is the gin, the home of the gin. And the one in Albany is the home of the whiskey without an E. And then the one in the Pronger Ups is whiskey with an E. Making, explain
1: to listeners what they so
0: I think they're making a rye or a bourbon I think mm. it's a rye okay. and but the other one's more of a, a single malt whiskey okay yep that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah it does follow a royal princess Drive or princess drive um, the one that leads out of Albany towards Frenchman's Bay and tondirup um, there's a lot of pavement walking on this day isn't there mm. but it's not actually a very bad view I mean you've got King George Sound and yeah. Princess Bay it's a nice area if you just going to be forced to walk on pavement I think
2: mm. and it has that nice section that I actually don't mind as you you know, have come past uh, or going past the um, Princess Royal Harbour through there and then it actually comes along and, and a nice neat little pass behind the wool stores and you know I actually quite like that section through there um, and you can see some of the, the bird life which is pretty amazing um on the inlet there so mm.
0: and that wool stores is kind of cool because it's like a bit of a historic site you know you get that i guess kind of mirrors the start in Kalamunda where you've got things like the the weir and you've got the Kalamunda hotel and that gives you that sort of mm. i guess the the man made features of the track
1: yeah
2: it would be interesting to see if and when they develop it you know because there've been big plans for that so yeah. Watch yeah. that space. It's another mm. one of those, you know, I think potential in Albany, disruptions. You are, yeah. Watch that
1: space for thirty or forty years. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> happened. Still waiting for them to rebuild the Esplanade Hotel. Um, I had fond memories of the kids staying oh, there.
0: Yeah. Um, still, still waiting for deregulation of, <laughs> of shopping
1: Yeah. Hours. <laughs> um bring us to <laughs> the Albany town and the finish, which they've recently moved the southern terminus away from the Port areas, and they? they've put it up into town a little bit more
2: well the vis- the visitor centre moved um so the trailhead currently is still down at the old terminus um but there's yeah another a new information shelter or well, like a not a shelter yet but a um a clip port if you wanna call it that you know where notifications are placed but there are plans for us to move the actual trailhead to the new visitor centre halfway up the road there. Um, so I think that would be a much better experience. It's been trying to fit into the City of Albany developments of that whole area and trying to figure out where the um, trial can go. So probably in the um, Hartman Gardens just above. Mm-hmm. Um, but no final plans have been made and, you know, trying to find some money for that as well. And that obviously would be relocated um, co-located with the Manabidi trial as it is currently in the lower in the port area there so but that should be pretty amazing I think for visitors I'm not sure if you've been at that visitor center it's a pretty cool design really and you know I think staff are there reasonably well informed about the people Track interact too I go down there sometimes and have a chat to them and you know see what's going on and uh, yeah they're usually pretty good
1: Cause that's what I think we talked in the Albany opportunities about having it finishing in town and having more of that, like a Camino experience where people walk through with their backpacks and... Ring, um, ring the bell. Ring the bell. Yeah. Um, the new bell, yeah. yeah and <laughs> everyone can see you and maybe query what you're doing and spread the message of the bib. So, yeah. Yep. You didn't get to ring the bell, though, did you? Cause no, because I finished <laughs>
0: finish randomly in bailing yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Have you been down since to do a... A symbolic ringing of the bell? No, I haven't. You should. Dexter.
0: I'm actually going to be in Albany this weekend. There you go. Um, whether I do that or not, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think you should. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: And you should have a look for the whales too. You know, when you go to the drive across to Middleton Beach, you know, there's that lookout, and you can walk down. Sometimes the whales are really close in. Like I've actually been down there. There's a bit of a walk path I mean it's a sealed path through there mm. but you can get down to the water and they've been like right at the rocks like within five meters off the rocks you can hear them breathe and oh, you know really? so yes not sure if they're down there yet but definitely go and have a look Kay.
1: so uh, that is the end I yeah. um, guess we'll talk about Albany as a track town mm. um, obviously it has its issues with being open but on, some, Sundays. on Sundays. <laughs> um and Saturday after <laughs> sometimes. Um but there's some good food options in Albany, plenty of places to stay. And I'm, I actually enjoy just the vibe of Albany. It's just it's like a good throwback to a, a nice country town, um and it's got obviously the Anzac um Lincolns and Yeah. I enjoy any time I get to spend in Albany. What are yeah. you guys' thoughts on Albany?
2: Yeah, I always like going down there, you know, having lived down there, Denmark and Albany, I was kind of living halfway, my office was in Albany, so I got to know it pretty well, you know, it's got good facilities, good services, beautiful beaches, close to Tondura, you know, you can go and do day trips from there, there's lots of opportunities and, you know, in the moment there's uh, great southern trial master planning going on, you know, looking at some more opportunities to see, you know, if people want to stay longer, if they have, you know, other things to do. Um, maybe, you know, Baldhead Head or some of you talked about, some of the Tundurup kind of trials through there. You know, there's maybe some new developments um, in the Great Southern in the future for walking and, you know, also other activities. So setting itself up as a bit of an adventure hub, mm. maybe making use of some of the waters through there too. So I think it's a pretty exciting place to be. It's got a good vibe, you know, it's got nice food. It has my chai, my brewed chai that are, It's very hard to get anywhere else <laughs> <laughs> along Which the cafe way. Is that um, different ones actually. There's a few different ones through there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the alchemy ones do alright. So yeah.
1: And Don, I know you're a fan because a, a foodie. There's a couple oh, of places in Albany you really. I enjoy. a really
0: it. yeah. I love the the bakery there, Gourmandise and Co. Mm-hmm. And also really like the um, the restaurant Liberté. Yeah, I think that it's really good quality restaurant and bar, and um, yeah, I think it's a. It's, and even you know what I really like there, that's probably a bit of a surprise, is the kebab shop. Yes, because, on the main strip. Yeah, because yeah. they actually make their, you know, like with kebab wraps, you know, that sometimes they're, they've you can tell that they've come from a packet, mm. but they actually make theirs in house. So it's it's a really good kebab shop yeah. of all places.
1: And um, they have a, a Jojo's Pizza in Albany <laughs> as well, so right. I used to work at the one in Alfred Cove. Oh, uh, right, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I think there's only three of them, but yeah, I might... Uh, I've got a lot of options when I finish there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll have to decide mm. uh, what I want to do. But yeah.
2: And some nice wines, wineries through there, you know, like mm. some of the mm. local wines are actually really nice and some of the organic wines through there are beautiful, so...
1: Mm. Yeah, I think the area, as we've discussed, has a lot of potential, but... Um, Yeah, it always seems to get a bad rap, especially from the locals, about trading hours and progress. And Mm. just recently, um, the issue of the mountain bike trails up through, I think, Mount Clarence and the Anzac Centre has been brought up that they've planned this for years and years and then all of a sudden there's no money and it's never going to get off the ground. So hopefully they can sort out their issues and use this strategy Guide um, to try and yeah, spend some money and get more visitors
0: because mm, they had they had a drop, I think, twelve percent drop recently. Yeah. So it's a shame because the area is a great area, and I mean Lonely Planet listed it as the place to go. Yeah. Um, you know that whole South um, South Coast area right to Market River, and of course Margaret Rivers do it always does well. But mm. I actually think that Great Southern's maybe nicer.
1: It is, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think it's just a case of marketing. And getting the right people, passionate about, um, yeah, promoting the area. I know the amazing South Coast does a nice job, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's lot, lots of potential there. I think. Yeah, for sure.
2: And in yeah. some ways, because it's not so overrun with tourists, you know, that is what makes it really nice. Mm. You know, I mm. think my river is amazing, you know, but it's just so busy, you know. So, and having lived on the south coast, you really see the difference and, you know, you still can get out and about to the natural environments and find a quiet little space, you know, even doing school holidays, mm. you know, and just, mm. I think the scenery there is just stunning more than probably any other places, really, you know, south Coast.
1: Yeah, I think there's just such an amazing array of options. If you're a family and you're taking your kids out, I mean, we spent heaps of holidays down there. You've got beaches, you've got the Sterling Range nearby. No shortage of things to do. It's not like one Instagram location everyone flocks to. There's so many you can find something quiet. Mm.
0: Mm. And because it's not as popular, the wine's a bit cheaper than (laughs) Margarita, but it's just as good.
1: So I guess we'll wrap up there. We've finished the Bib end to end with our podcast series, but hopefully later in the year we'll have an overarching episode. Yeah, because I think we a couple.
0: You know, I think a cool question would be if you could start the Bib again without any of the land use issues. What what would it look like? Mm. Because that would be kind of an interesting thing to think about.
1: Yeah, so maybe a future episode because that'll take a lot of planning. (laughs) Um, Drawing that on Google Maps and figuring out the right ways. But we'll definitely have, hopefully once I'm finished, if I finish, um, we'll have like a Mark's rebuttal episode.
0: Well, hopefully an agreement episode as well.
1: Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So thanks very much, Kirsten, for coming in. It's been invaluable having your insight um, as a former local and also working with DBCA down there.
2: Um. Yeah, no, thanks for having me here and always interesting and to hear about Blue and Track and get a user's perspective too. You know, obviously, mm. as we manage the track, um, we have one view of it and it's always great to get out there myself. But, you know, I get inspired by people like you guys to, you know, find out what you think of it and, you know, what's good and what's bad and, you know, like try and do it as best we can. So, yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity. Oh,
0: thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks. And thank you everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episodes, you can give us a rating on one of the many platforms that we are on. Ratings really help let, let us know that we're doing a good job. And if you had any queries or questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll be back in two weeks.